there, and welcome to Further Every Day, the podcast where we explore current events through the biblical lens. As many lenses have a prismatic effect, though, each one of us will be sitting in a different beam of light or a different chair of the Christian worldview. To my right, I have Jennifer. How are you? I'm good. All right. She'll be sitting in the chair of? Uh, You pick. Theology. All right. I'll put you in the chair of theology. All right. And then... Now if I do poorly, it's your fault. Okay. Okay. It's all my fault. You have no agency. You're just a woman after all. Exactly. Moving on to... Exactly. <laughs> Out. Pa- propounding the patriarchy. To her right, Different we have... podcast. <laughs> oh, my. To her right... Uh, we're going to get letters. Uh, we have Mr. Charlie. How are you this morning, I'm sir? I'm doing fine. How are you? Doing all right. And uh, going... Going to progressive hell, apparently. Um, <laughs> what chair are you sitting in today? I'll, I'll do culture today. Most excellent. And to uh, that point, you have to look at what kind of culture should the Christian be creating. You look at uh, where our culture has been. If you're looking at the title of this podcast, Freedom Versus Security, what kind of culture provides the best flourishing of human life? And more importantly, what glorifies God more? We'll be talking about that as we go along. To his right... We have Daniel. How are you? You know, I'm good. I'm good. How about yourself? Doing okay. So you'll be sitting in the chair of Le Politics today, right? Yeah. Very, yeah. very let's good. Go for it. I'm so glad to have you here. All right. So let's go. And I'll be sitting in the chair of philosophy and I'll be warming the chair of economics as well uh, while we wait for our fifth person, should we get them. With that said, let's dive into the topic today. We're going to get into should we prioritize freedom or security? Ben Franklin had an interesting quote on this. It's the one that everyone uses, but let's go into the context of the quote because NPR, uh, uh, the Hoover Institute, all have these bologna sandwich articles that uh, are absolutely nonsense. They, They say, well, it was about taxes. It wasn't about freedom or security. No, 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 guys, 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 be intellectually honest. Ben Franklin was talking about freedom versus security. And Mm. I'll just read this in the context of the quote. I'll read the preceding context. We're we're talking about raising taxes so that we could fight the Indian incursions into the, into the territory. Uh, And this is Benjamin Franklin. And the, see the, the the title of the letter for those of you who are following at home is the Pennsylvania assembly reply to the governor uh, of uh, well, and here is, I'm sorry, I'm just scrolling through notes here, of November or 11th, 1755. Now, and I quote, In fine, we have the most sensible concern for the poor, uh, distressed inhabitants of the frontiers. We have taken every step in our power consistent with the just rights of the freemen of Pennsylvania for their relief. And we have reason to believe that in the midst of their distresses, they themselves do not wish us to go further. Those who would give up essential liberty to purchase a little temporary safety deliver neither liberty nor safety. So some folks will say this was not about liberty or safety. It was about taxes. It was about both. It was we're, we're going to ask if we can tax to raise. We are not going to exert government control. We're not going to trade safety for liberty even if it kills us. And that... That know, was the Founding Father's sentiment. And that really 
this, when you look at the totality of history, you can never have freedom without paying for it in blood. It, it is not done. Nowhere. Insecurity without freedom always looks like tyranny, and it is never actually secure for the masses. Correct. So just before we dig into, I, some people say slippery slope argument, in fact, you know, it, if you look at the early 2000s and you look at the early 90s and you look at the early 80s, there, there are always people who would say that we, you, you conservatives are making a slippery slope argument. Now that we're down the hill. I was going to say it can go both ways. Now that we're down the hill, bloodied and muddied after falling down that slippery slope, let's, let's look up uh, in this podcast of what's happened as we've given over our freedom for security. We've given away our rights and our freedoms to this um, surveillance state in this police state. And we'll talk about what it's bought us and what it hasn't. But before we do, freedom versus security. From a theological aspect, I'm going to throw this to the theological chair. Would, could you say, potentially, that freedom is one of the highest ideals in God's mind? He gave man free will, unless you're a Calvinist, but that's another podcast. <laughs> but if God gave man free will, even to choose or deny the relationship with God, what, what does that say about God's thought process on freedom? Um. Well, it, it it it's giving this picture that if something happens by coercion, it's it's not really real. It's not. I would say coercion, or I would distill that coercion is evil, isn't yes. it? Yes. After a certain point. Yes. And just you know, as sort of my overarching thoughts on the safety versus security from a theological perspective. Just, Go back to the Garden of Eden in God's perfect world. How many security guards did he have around the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? He didn't have any security, and all of mankind fell because of Adam's freedom in the garden. Well, that's a wrap. You know, Jennifer just ended the podcast for us. Thank you for tying this one up in a nice bow because you, 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 you cut a, right I mean, to the that's, end. That's an interesting thought. Because without... And so, and so, we, we we didn't do a whole lot of discussion before the show, but I was going to push towards the end and wrap the show with this idea, with Oops. with <laughs> with with conformity to the image of Christ. I exist to ruin your you, show maps. You, you you do very well <laughs> at that. Um, with conformity to the image of Christ, there is ultimate freedom in no need of security. That is what heaven is. Mm. There will be no security in mm. heaven. Yep. And there it will be no further fall because not only are they, they were innocent. Adam and Eve were innocent, but they were not perfected. Amen. That's right. Yep. And in heaven, we will all be conformed. There will be no security guards in heaven. Mm -hmm. We will all be conformed. Yep. Yep. And that is the beautiful thing. But in the meantime, <clears throat> uh, what we need to do is put in freedom uh, principles into our culture. And that's a, our segue over to the chair of culture. Culturally, we have been giving up 
our freedoms for security for a long time now. You want to talk about the Patriot Act. You want to talk about TSA security, unlawful search and seizure. Every time you go through the airport, those agents are violating. And don't get me wrong. I'm not going to pick on on TSA agents. We have friends uh, in this class who, who actually work for the TSA. Let me be careful how I say this. The system and institution of the TSA is acting in an unconstitutional way. But culturally, we've accepted that. What does that prep us for culturally? And what does that do to the, the human psyche? It, if you use the analogy of the frog in the, in the pot, that's probably one of the best ways that you can understand what's, what's going to happen. That heat will be turned up. Frog won't know it. Frog ain't going anywhere until it's too late. And then it's, it's going to cook the frog. And that's, that's where you go with the issue of taking away the, the freedoms slowly. And that's the difficulty. I think another difficulty for Christians in, in this respect, if, if freedom is paid for in blood, at what point do you take up arms to make a big difference? And that's, that's the elephant in the room that a lot of Christians don't like to go to. And I want to be very clear on this podcast. Um, I am not suggesting that anybody at this point go do something like that. But to that same end, and, and this is where the rub is, at what point do you? And we're losing, we're losing our security moment but, by moment as we give up our security for freedom. And if you want to see the biggest example of that right now, I was just thinking about this just uh, 15 minutes ago. Australia is going at warp speed to and socialism, mm-hmm. and I would not doubt it one bit if they ended up going full-on communism. And, 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 and we're following that direction. In fact, I, if we have time today, I'd like to get to that because mm-hmm. there's some interesting stories that, that we need to rub into. But as we watch our culture start to green light, if you will, this intrusion of the surveillance state, this intrusion of the police state into our, into our bedrooms, into our homes, into our lives, where you, 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 your phone is the Orwellian nightmare. Your phone is the 1984 television screen that sees you wherever you go. And we've allowed the NSA, we've allowed these organizations to do that. And what we've given them is power, political you, you, power. And, and real quickly, you talked about the Patriot Act earlier. Uh, who did that come under, folks? That was a Republican uh, president. The, Republican. the wonderful Christian Bush. Yeah. Oh my. God. And let me tell you, when that Bohemian Grove, let me get a little, little crazy on you. When that, when that happened, that caused me some deep concern yeah. because I knew it would go, it, it would go worse. And 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 it has. And it has. And so politically, what we've done is we've given. The government, this 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 power, and when you give the government the carte blanche to peer into people's lives politically, what happens? Do we have things like the FBI surveilling candidates of uh, opposition parties? <laughs> Do we have the FBI no. going into <laughs> say it isn't so going into people's homes? And pulling people out who weren't even in D.C. on January 6th, but their their family members were. 
it's it's scary it really is so what what role does the government have in security because it clearly has a role that the, the in romans the 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 word says the government is not given the sword in vain it wields the sword for a reason however there is a limitation on what is tyranny versus what is security correct so when when we give over our freedom to the government in exchange for security what's the natural ramification i mean now that we're down the slope the slippery <laughs> slope we have 2020 hindsight what is the ramification of giving the government our freedoms in exchange for security yeah well when uh specifically talking about COVID and the lockdowns that happened with that you look back last year it's like okay two weeks to fight in the curve if everyone would just lock down for two weeks this will all be over with fast forward a year later and we're still there it's like okay okay just everybody get your vaccine flatten the curve well, when you look at the numbers, the vast majority of people sick in hospitals with COVID who are deathly ill because of COVID are fully vaccinated, which is a very scary thing to see. It's at least it's at least 60 percent in yeah. some localities. And 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 so that's that's a whole nother nother discussion that we might want to have. I know Jennifer's tired of talking to the vaccines, <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, yeah. but but uh, you, you you absolutely see. The government's starting to peer into your life, and yeah. they, they actually actively take it over. They're now actively yeah. mandating vaccines. They're actively and every, mandating every, every time you give government more power than they should, they will never give it up. It every never. It, it's the same with entitlements, right? Whenever you give the government anything, yeah. you end up with less security and less freedom. Mm-hmm. As Franklin said, you will get neither. Can I just say real quick, stealing a little bit from the chair of culture, I think, John Arthur at the beginning mentioned the slippery slope. Mr. Pomeroy brought up, you know, the frog in the boiling water. We've been talking about like the Patriot Act, the COVID lockdowns, all very, very serious stuff in terms of security, stuff that, you know, you could you could make a convincing argument for. But slippery slope, what is the argument of the super radical progressive left as far as safe spaces, microaggressions? Why do they want to curb police. freedom of speech? Because it it harms people, oh, they man. need to keep people safe from your speech. So mm. so we're talking mm. about the Patriot Act, which is very very serious, and people are still you know kind of, I don't think quite so much anymore, but people are still kind of treating these like safe space you know progressive lefts on college campuses, as it's you know coming. more radical. But but that's what's next. And yep. and and you look at, and we'll talk a little bit about Australia. And yes, Australia is quote unquote low hanging fruit because they're crazy but uh, i love my friends down under but they're, they're certainly acting crazy right now but we're watching we're watching what's going to happen here in america we're watching because we watch them with firearms we've watched what our progressive friends in dc have tried to do after what our progressive friends in australia did and we'll dig into that and and there's quite, quite an interesting set of articles that I'd, i really want to get to so just moving over to the chair of philosophy real quick and in economics i'll I'll hit them both real quick. The question always comes, what are you trying to do? What is the input? What are the variables? And then what's the output? If you have freedom, if you have security, and we're looking at weighing those two, what is the outcome that we want? We want everyone to be prosperous and happy. I won't even say free. 
let's just take prosperous and happy. When you give up freedom for security, it's fine and well when a milk toast fake Christian like George Bush is your president, okay? Because he will sing and dance and act like a Christian and do whatever while uh, sacrificing at the very least effigies at Bohemian Grove. Uh, but that's not this podcast. Uh, so he's all in all sorts of weird stuff. But the Bushes one and two were both not good people. But once you have someone else who has the reins of power, what they do with the freedoms that you gave away and the security measures that they will use, they will pervert to protect themselves to your detriment. And actually, it's a group of people doing that now. Folks, do not give away your freedom for security because you will lose both. It is a formula that always occurs and you will not be happy. You will not be prosperous. You will be in bondage because mm -hmm. you've given yourself over to man. You have sold your freedom for security to not God, to man. And that does not end well ever. Yeah. Can I sum up real quick two verses that really illustrate the difficulty for Christians in, in dealing with something Please like this? Do. Romans 13, 1 and 2. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist, watch this, will incur judgment. That's a difficulty of this issue for Christians. Where do you draw the line? For me, I think the, the line is clearly drawn when the government's coming after your family. Well, the Bible actually finish reading that, that whole passage and you will find that verse about the sword is not uh, bared in vain it, because a ruler is not a tyrant. It yeah. will later go on to say, and it, def it defines a ruler. Just as we have these verses that say, men, rule over your wives. When it says that, there's other things. Women, submit to your husbands. Yeah. There, are, there are qualifiers for, for that, like men die daily to yourself and, and supply as Christ did. You are laying your life down. Governments are structured because a ruler is not a tyrant. I think Jennifer has the, the verse. Well, yeah, so, so you know that's the first couple of verses, but I want to... I'm just going to start and read the whole thing in context. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Here. So Please this is do. Romans chapter Chair 13. Theology. Yes. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are, are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God, and they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. And now catch verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to the evil. That's that's what they're Wilt supposed to be. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same, for he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. There we go. There we go. That is the definition in context of rulership. And so I, I, I want to be careful not to inject things into the Bible that aren't there, because some people will say things like, well, 
you 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 you're injecting something else into, into there and and Jesus didn't talk about Nero and Paul didn't talk about Nero. Okay, okay. Um in the United States of America specifically, I'll speak about this for a moment. We are in a constitutional republic that's a representative government that is elected from the people, not a monarchy or a group. Uh, this is something that is unique. And in fact, it is their duty, nay, their obligation to rebel, says the Declaration. Which, by the way, some people say the Declaration is null and void. No, no, no. The Constitution references the Declaration, the Articles of Confederation, as superior or founding documents to it just so we're clear but very very good when the government when the government exceeds its biblical capacity we have the right the obligation in america specifically it's our founding in our founding documents that we are to say no that's why we have the second amendment if the first fails we have the second but what we're seeing right now is this fall into a police state because we've given over to the surveillance state. And there are a couple of stories here that I, I, I want to dive into. Uh, one of them is from the Gateway Pundit. Uh, and this is an interesting one. It, it's basically just a retrospective. It's a retrospective. But the headline is, The 17 Intelligence Community Agencies Canard on Russian Interference. Okay, one of the things about the Gateway Pundit, I love these guys. They're hyperpartisan. Okay, I will acknowledge they are hyperpartisan <laughs> right wingers. That's okay. Um, so they're right. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> wow. All right, someone get the vaudeville hook. Okay. I'm uh, so funny today, guys. <laughs> wow. So, so a canard, a false or unfounded report or story, especially a fabricated report. That's the Merriam-Webster definition. Is as they dig into this, you'll you'll look at. We have 17 agencies, this is from Hillary Clinton, 17 agencies all in agreement, which I know from my experience as a senator and secretary of state is hard to get. They concluded with high confidence that the Russians ran an extensive information war campaign against my campaign, Hillary Clinton speaking, to influence voters in the election. They did it through paid advertising, we think. They did it through false news sites. They did it through these thousands, uh, a thousand agents. They did it through machine learning, which, you know, kept spewing out this stuff over and over again, the algorithms that they developed. So that was the conclusion. And I think it's fair to ask, how do they actually influence the campaign? And how do they know what messages to deliver? Uh, like you suck. I mean, uh, I, I, <laughs> this, this is this is $50,000 or $100,000 in Facebook advertising, depending upon whose metric you go to. This is not in the article, but... But it's a very small amount of Facebook marketing, okay, that Russians put in. Uh, and it, this continues to go down, but it, it continues in, in the story. It's just, it, it just goes downhill from here. But this was a lie. This was not legitimate judgment of the U.S. intelligence community and did not reflect the views of 17 separate U.S. intelligence agencies. Why? Very simple. There was no written document expressing such a judgment. In fact, the only document ultimately produced on subject of Russian interference did not appear until the January uh, 2017, or until January 17, and only reflected the views of the CIA, the NSA, and the FBI. And if you look at the entire, if, if you really dig down, this is all open source, and, and we need to put, put this out in its own little deal, its own podcast or, or article. The entire Russian connection 
was from Carter Page, a an American asset who was working in Russia. They said because we have a Russia we we have an American agent in Russia, and because we're going to misquote a Russian agent talking to a uh, 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 Danchenko Russian agent talking to a British agent where we get our FISA warrant from, we'll go ahead and two-hop surveil because Carter Page is roughly related to someone in Trump's orbit. We will now surveil Trump and actively open him up. That is the whole canard that, 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 that Trump was somehow peeing on Russian prostitutes or whatever it was. That tape never showed up. None of this ever showed up because it was a guy talking in a bar who was misquoted the Russian agent, he literally said, I did not say what was written in that paper. By the yeah, way, that British Russian, agent. So we can't trust him, right? We got to trust Hillary Clinton. We got to trust. We got to trust the British agent who was paid by no, none other than the uh, uh, that front group that was running for the DNC. So mm. it, it's a it's a it's a long, long story. So it's a web. Not, hmm? It's a web. It's this full web of lies, and ultimately it comes back to Hillary's campaign. The whole lie started from Hillary's campaign. So what we saw in 2016 all the way up through 2021 with this entire – 2016 to 2020 was one long coup mm-hmm. yes. against an elected president. And we've watched it fall, and it's it, – you know how they did it? With things like the Patriot Act. Yes. And so they're spending all of this effort, all these resources. They'll spend, I don't have the story in front of me, but they'll spend all this effort on, on that NASCAR uh, rope tied up in a, in a, in a pull loop mm-hmm. to p- open and close the garage. 15 agents, 15 agents to do that. Uh, and, and they finally decided that it wasn't a hate crime. They'll, they'll do all that, but... Well, you know, the, the Patriot Act, what was it for? It was for terrorism. Well, who are the terrorists now? And that's, so that's, that's, so, the, so, question. So that's, that's the question. The, that is the question. And so when we give carte blanche to the powers that be theologically, what, who, who was David, the king, responsible to in the Bible, chair of theology, who who called David onto the carpet? Well, God chose David, and then um, um, Samuel. Samuel, and then who, the... who who's another famous individual who called David onto the carpet? What do you mean by called him onto the carpet? You're leading me somewhere. Na- I can't Nathan. See Nathan. Nathan prophet. was Samuel. Uh, yes. Nathan and Gad. So guess what? God does with the government. He calls them into account. Who does he use? The church, mm-hmm. the people of God. What have we been remiss in in this country? Well, we're, uh, the church has not really been involved in it. So, chair of theology, I'm, I'm, and, and, and I'm sorry. Yes, I am leading you a little bit no, here, that's fine. but, but. <laughs> I thought you were talking about before no. he became king. No, no, no. You were talking no, about no, no. after he after was he, king. Yeah. King David. I said King David. Yes. Or I think I said King David. David. Anyway, King David. Yeah, we figured king it out David. in the end. We, we figured it out. Thank you. Uh, when God had to call 
King David into account for his tyrannical activity. And and, and that that is tyranny. You're literally murdering some some nice dude, some random dude he, who's apparently a good soldier. He reorganized the entire front line just to kill his, you know, adulterous sis, you know, not Yeah. Not, yeah. yeah, his mistress's husband. Mistress, that's the word. Yeah. I'm mistress's for. husband. So God used Nathan to call David on the carpet. Mm-hmm. In America today, what should the church be doing with things like not just abortion? I mean, abortion is the Holocaust of our day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not but, and we have this surveillance state that has absolutely crippled us, but you'll never hear I've never heard a sermon taught on the surveillance state or on your freedom. What should the church be doing theologically? Well, pastors should be preaching it, but the individual Christian also has responsibility. First of all, I think to just, oh, I'm sure, I think a lot of Christians today don't even think about these issues. I would agree uh, they, with that. And, and, and I'm, I think a lot of Christians would not, not think about how George Bush, good old Republican, is complicit in this. A, yeah. lot, of, a lot of Christians nowadays are, are thinking that they line up along Republican lines, but it's not about the Republican Party. And I wish people would get rid of the Republican Christian connection. Yes. I tell people I'm a conservative Christian. I'm not a Republican. You know, what's really interesting, to build on your point there for this, Jennifer, I I think part of this is that Christians don't even want, their thought is somebody else will address this issue. Mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about it. Somebody else will, will take care of it. That's why I elect senators and I congress really, people. Yeah. I, I don't know where that line of thinking came from, but I'm I'm not going to call her out, but um, you know who you are if you're listening, which you should because I told you to, to this podcast. It's amazing. <clears throat> but I have a family members that I, that I talk to, and you know they're Christian, and they have biblical values, and I talk to them about politics, and they say things like, I, I don't I don't elect people based on my Christian values. What? What? And I and and I try to explain it to them and they they've so disconnected their Christianity from their political life that it's 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 pathological. Our Christian life is it, it permeates everything about us all the way down to politics. So it, my response to that would have been so you're going to elect somebody based on the non-Christian values. Yes. Because you don't, there's no middle of the road on it. It's one or the other. Mm -hmm. So, so, and and that favors really, really, really well into the chair of culture. And we, uh, we have someone sitting down here. How are you this morning, Josh? I'm doing really good. Hello. Did you get all those sleepies out of your eyes? I saw you rubbing your eyes there. (laughs) No, I did. I, I, I woke up and then, Got hit with some work, and so I had to get that handled before I headed. I headed. That's not a word, but I'm gonna use it. <laughs> this man needs a restraining order from eight to eight on his office. Like they need to leave this man alone. They call him at three a.m. and so and so. I, I'm, I'm I'm giving a hard time calling him a, a, a sleepy bonehead, but he really does deserve it. It's Joe Biden's fault. It's all that Joe. the supply chain mm, is It is shambles. Joe Biden's fault. <laughs> um, so, with that said. 
Uh, Mr. Pomeroy, do you want the chair of culture still, or do you uh, want the yeah. chair of philosophy? Well, no, I'll, t I'll take culture. So and... let's go into the chair of culture here with Mr. Pomeroy, and then we're going to run over to Josh. He's going to be sitting in the chair of philosophy. Mm. Okay, that's a first. So I will I will abdicate the one of the two chairs I'm sitting in here over to you. But chair of culture, when we have a Christian culture that is, as Jennifer said, so well pathologically disconnected i mean wow. it's like good, a good phrase it's like we take a freaking scalpel to our to our spiritual lobe mm -hmm. and cut yeah and cut something off and we have this this idea that separation of church and state it's the it's the 12th commandment if yes. the 11th commandment being uh vody uh be nice yeah. i would say the 12th commandment it's, is it's, separation it's of the, church and state yeah. i'm a christian on sunday and and then i leave it at the door so <laughs> what does that culture create and what kind of world does it make? And what kind of Christians does it make? Uh, so let me answer that question first. Very weak ones. Very weak ones is what that creates. But the second thing, if you want to understand what this creates culturally, you need only look at what's going on in America right now. The issues that we have as a country right now are because Christians have abdicated their responsibilities in the cultural realm. That's, that's what they've done. So we've gone ahead and we've yielded. We've taken the, the pathological disconnection there and cut that spiritual lobe. And this is what you get. You get people that are on the school boards that are abdicating CRT, and they know full well what it is. They know what it's going to do. And you, as a parent, have now sat there and said, go ahead and educate my kids with that garbage. And we're going to come to that story as we wrap up. We've got to pick up some pace as we move around the room mm -hmm. here. So chair of philosophy, again, always looking at the purpose. Mm -hmm. When we give up our freedoms for security and we come to this point where we've, we've watched this surveillance state brew, you know, this whole 2016 to 2020 coup. Did we really achieve what we were looking for when we gave over our, our rights to the government to hunt down terrorists, quote unquote? Because as someone said a moment ago before you walked in, who are the terrorists now? Are we talking about post 9-11 or post? Post 9-11, we're now in the situation where we went from the terrorists being the Taliban to the terrorists being conservative Christians. And they haven't said that yet, but it's coming. Oh, no, coming. no, they have. It's coming. I, I, would, I, I would advocate they have. They have not said it that blatantly, I don't think. But, but it's, it's in, coming, everyday language. Yeah, it's coming. It, it's becoming everyday language that now conservative Christians are the terroristic threat and you look at safe spaces you look at i'm, I'm just bringing you up to speed on, on what we've been talking uh you, you look at the way that they've set it out now having a christian worldview is a terroristic threat because we've given the government the ability to the right to designate that and prosecute it without a judge and jury of peers did we achieve what we were looking for when we gave up our security for freedom? Opposite. Flip, flip those two. Gave up our freedom for our freedom security. Our freedom for security. Thank you. Thank you. I'm tired. I need more coffee. When we gave up <laughs> our freedom for security. Gotta get that bag. So I think a great more question bang. to ask is, is the purpose consistent? Is there consistency among what you believe? 
And if there's not, why is there an inconsistency? And I would say that that's been the biggest problem in modern day politics, probably since, I, I mean, you could say it's been going on for as long as, as long as politics in America has, I wouldn't, well, actually I wouldn't say that. I would say since probably like, the 1800s. Yeah, probably since like the 1800s, you've seen this disconnect between the policies that people push and they will say that they were, they were Christian, but then you'll say, oh, but these are the policies that I support. Which is a very weird thing to think about. And I think that gives a very false view to the world of what a Christian looks like. And so you are misrepresenting the name that you bear or that you claim to bear. And so therefore you've given this false image. Let me, let me go to someone's favorite book in here. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Mm. Yes. Be not double-minded. Well, I just think the question to ask is, am I being consistent? Can you say that I support this, but then I support why? And for the love of all that's good, think about your, think through it. Think through it. Do, you know, do, is what you're voting for, is what you're supporting going to follow through and create the outcome? I think it just needs to be biblically, and this is my biggest thing. It just needs to be biblically consistent. If you're going to say that you bear a na- the, the name above all names, you need to be biblically consistent. And if you are not biblically consistent, then you need to repent and ask yourself a hard question. Why am I not being biblically consistent? And defining biblically consistent what would comprise something of being intellectually consistent while reading and taking your intellect your 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 knowledge base from the scriptures and using that as the lens that you view everything through for example i'll just to give an example of what i'm really hitting at here is saying that well i am a christian but i'm okay with abortion or i'm okay with the i'm not gonna say abortion i'm gonna say the shedding of innocent blood i'm okay with this idea i'm okay with supporting the right for people to murder but i'm a christian and let's pull it to Absolutely. And let's pull it to the topic of today. When you're talking about giving up your your freedom for security, I'm a Christian. I believe that people have innate value and rights. Yet, yet I'm, I'm okay with people being able to surveil and spy on someone without a warrant, without any reason, without any reason. I'm okay with them turning on your cell phone camera and watching People have sex in their bedroom because the phone is propped up on the iHome and selling it to Russian porn sites. Yeah, that happens. When you say, I'm okay with people losing their freedom, I'm okay with the government peering through my emails. Well, what, what happens if you're in a court case and something comes out and the prosecution uses stuff out of context, right? And what, what, what if the prosecution is the government, like like what happened in 2016 through 2020? But what you're talking about right here, John Arthur, is is a reason why lazy Christians are not conducive for a good culture. And the reason is, is because it's never worded the way that that you just illustrated there. It's always put in language that that is amenable understandable quote unquote for, for your safety, safety. And for security That's right. and for freedom yeah wait 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 those things don't necessarily mesh <clears throat> with your definitions that you're, you're you're presupposing here because when you go back to bush and the patriot act 
and I'm trying to remember if this was was actually spoken. That had to be renewed. Yeah. Did did it not? Yeah, it did, and we renewed it. We did. So, and that yeah. folds very, very well over to the chair of politics. The chair of politics. We've seen how we've fallen. Now, what does this say about the church? Because the church is the is the you know when when I talk to my friends who are who have a darker tint of skin and they're all about the black diaspora, right? They'll talk they'll, they'll say, "Yo, we have you know a third of the buying power, or, or you know in the world, or this or that." Christians have eighty percent. So called Christians have like eighty percent people who claim the name of Christ, and, and I know that only eight percent of those have a biblical worldview. Let me be clear, but you have a huge amount of evangelicals, so-called, who have this voting power. What happens when 80% of them stay home? I mean, you, you see, like, like even now, what Jennifer said earlier, like she has family members who don't see politics and their Christian worldview as the same thing. It is absolutely the same. Your Christian worldview should dictate every decision you make, including who you vote for. In a, in a representative government like we have in America, do you have a moral obligation to vote and to vote to biblical values? Absolutely you do, without a shadow of a doubt. So let's just carry that forward for just a moment. If we as Christians were to actually flex that muscle... What would happen to the gospel, the gospel message? I'm not talking about the government funding missions. I'm just saying what would happen if we had peace, economic prosperity, and, and the opportunity to focus not on, the, not on thought crimes now becoming a problem? Could we focus more on missions? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as it is, it, it's not an excuse. We need to be focusing on missions all the more yes. right now because we're, yes. watching, we're watching our politics fall to garbage. But when the government wields the sword wickedly, what is the church's response? The church's response should always be to stand up and to fight for what is right, to fight for our freedoms, you know, just to worship in general. I mean, Canada is a perfect example of this. They gave up that right, and now you're seeing pastors being arrested for just hosting a church service. In Australia, as we'll get to, that's our next story. Our next round is in Australia. We were watching all sorts of things happen. We're watching churches fall. We're watching if you pray and you say, I prayed for you to a homosexual or someone with same-sex attraction or whatever, body dysmorphia, you can be arrested and put into jail and find an incredible amount of money. And we're talking years, years of prison yeah. time. And they've given over a lot of power, even beyond criminal courts, to now like civil, you know, uh, not like tribunals, but you know, like boards and things like that who can, even if you don't qualify for a criminal activity, you're still penalized in a civil Court. suit. Yes. And it's coming here. If you don't believe it's coming here, it's coming. And so let's look at the economic value of this. The economic value. So the chair of economics, uh, you know, this is an interesting one. When you look at America America is a unique place. Unique opportunities have created this, this global wealth. 
there are those who wish to take away your freedoms in America for their own gain. And the way they do that, the way they orchestrate that, they need the power of the surveillance state. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get kind of Alex Jonesy on you here. But the British never really got over the fact that they lost the colony. And there's this growing resentment and embitterment among the banks. You look at who was involved in 2020 and who was funding a lot of Antifa. The Chinese put a lot of money into Black Lives Matter. The British put a lot of money and effort into Antifa. They want to see us destabilized. They did not like President Trump. And when you give, you give up your freedom for security, you are putting your faith, I said faith, in your government to whatever special interests are in your government. And as we'll see in this Australian study in just a moment, whatever trust you have in your government, whatever faith is subject to the whims of lobbyists, of the 1% of the 1%, the real ones that Bernie's talking about while stumping for policies that they are paying him to move forward with. They're funding his campaign for. People don't understand that. When, when, when they say, Tack, eat the rich, vote for Bernie, look at who he... Look at who he's actually emboldening and putting in power. The likes of Soros, the likes of the bankers in Great Britain, those people. And there's a whole economic aspect to this that we just cannot get in today. But just think about it for a moment. When you give your government your freedom for security, you're trusting those who have enough <clears throat> money to influence and sway your politicians. Now I have a question. Sure. Starting the pot a little bit. Now how do you rectify the government with a passage like Romans 13. We read Romans 13 before you came in. Oh, oh man, yeah, yeah. This is what happens when you're late, son. We, we, we went through the whole thing. And just to answer your question in short. Verse three. Verse three defines what a ruler is. And, and, and we went through that, but verse three, Romans 3.13, defines what a ruler is. You look at the passage for husbands, for, for wives, submit to your husbands. There's a qualifier set for that. It is a qualified statement, just as Romans 13 is a qualified statement. And in America, we live in a representative government. We are the kings and queens. Well, I was also going to say, why well, I have to look more into that. But yeah, 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 yeah. But Hosea 8.4, I thought was interesting. Does somebody have Hosea? I'll try before I saw that verse and that was interesting. So while while we're pulling that up, I'm gonna go ahead and get uh can someone get the Sky News article? I have Jose A4. Get Jose A4. They have set up kings, but not by me. They have made princes, and I knew it not. Of their silver and their gold have they made them idols that they may be cut off. That is interesting. And the great subject for another podcast. Yes. Let's get into it. Really but real quick, I just want to, uh, you know, when you're talking about giving your, putting your faith in the government to keep you safe, I just want to make it really, really clear that you're putting your faith in people who don't actually care about your safety. They're yeah. not even, they're not even yes. doing it as, as sort of like a misguided, uh, you know, but good intentions. These people don't care. Perfect example of what's going on with the COVID vaccines right now. That's the big push. You got to get vaccinated because that's what's going to keep you safe. 
if Trump were president right now, is that what they would be saying? Going back to Josh's point of consistency? Hello? No, not. they would not care one bit. They would be saying the exact opposite thing. They do not actually care about your safety. It is not about keeping you safe. They care about, about the money. It's about getting more power. Yeah. They care about the money and they care about the power. And as this next story rolls, uh, Mr. Charlie, do yep. you have that story for me? I do. Please read it. So this is the um, the story on the vaccinations mandatory for frontline workers in, um, this is in Australia, uh, the Northern Territory. Chief Minister Michael Gunner has made it mandatory for all frontline uh, front workers to be vaccinated in the Northern Territory. Workers have until November the 13th to get vaccinated or they will not be able to continue working. They so, also risk a fine. So let's pause here and let's move over to what a former parliamentarian had to say about this because you, you you can assume the rest of it. If if you don't if you don't get the vaccine, you are intentionally trying to inj injure someone who is susceptible when you're working in their electrical or or, or their plumbing, whatever. And that's what they'll say. But there is a uh, former Australian parliamentarian. Uh, his name is Clive Palmer. In fact, he's the leader of the do do, do which uh, the, he he he's the leader of the. Uh, United Australian Party, United Australia Party, um, and Clive Palmer, in an interview, claimed that the leader of the United, this is I believe last month, uh, claimed that the leader of the uh, oust, the ousted New South Wales Premier Gladys, oh gosh, I'm going to butcher this, uh, Barry Jiglan, I don't know how you say that. I'm so sorry, Gladys, but uh, but she was told that she would not be charged in a corruption probe if she imposed vaccine mandates. That's either that's, blackmail or... That's corruption in the highest yeah, level. Big form, time. You know, so, so Clive Palmer goes on to say, he says, uh, Pfizer and AstraZeneca are paying lobbyists to direct Australia's leaders to push for the vaccine mandates, and this is how they achieved it. They blackmailed Gladys... Yep. Gladys B. We're just going to go with Gladys B. Gladys B. They blackmailed Gladys B. Uh, and these statements were were kind of sort of brushed off, but Gladys B. resigned in disgrace uh, shortly thereafter. Okay? So, Pfizer, AstraZeneca, you know, people who are making, and, and again, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's like 200 billion dollars in the vaccines alone and also treatments for myocarditis <laughs> treatments for all these other issues that are we're not allowed to say potentially might be related to the vaccination protocol uh pfizer's also the preferred and pfizer moderna are getting preferred treatment on their cures for maybe what might be potentially possibly side effects of the vaccines i mean they came up right after this this child had no the the this four and five year old in uh, was it wyoming had no heart issues before they were quote unquote accidentally given the vaccine by a, by a walgreens pharmacy and all of a sudden now they're being treated for myocardi myocarditis both of them and they're both fine before so, so if you if you take a look at this is an issue of power, right? It's a power grab as Christians. How do we go ahead and, and remove that power? And I, there's a couple ways. Obviously, elect different people. 
But one of the things that I think would really remove this kind of thing is if we had term limits. If you have term limits, you don't have somebody that can wield that power. This is, you know, we'll have to have a podcast again on this uh, term on term limits. But but the problem with term limits is, is that you empower the bureaucrats who've nestled in. And term limits doesn't. I, I I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with you here. We need to have a debate. I was on gonna this. say we need to debate this we because to, to me it this, clearly moves but it. Not to, not today on this topic because it's an entirely different rabbit hole. But my my. I understand what you're saying about term limits, and I think some of these politicians have been in power for way too long. Oh, but, absolutely. But but the infrastructure that supports these politicians when they get to D.C., when they get to Parliament, when they get to – those are the ones who are going to be able to take the naive freshman who will only be a freshman or only get to be a sophomore, and they will be wrangled around by the establishment, the unelected establishment, is the counter-argument to this. So – so, yeah, no, so, I'm not, so, I, I won't respond. Another day, another yep. day. I'm so, ready, but. <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, another day. So let's go around the room for, for this topic today. Let's go around the topic for, around the room for this topic today. Um, we're looking at the fall of a, a, the failure, the breakdown of this system, but we've given up our freedom Mm-hmm. for the security of vaccinations in Australia. And we're really close to doing that in the States. We're really close to doing that in the States. Theologically, when we look at autonomy, like I said earlier, I, I you know, A- Andrew Clavin said it this way. He said the highest virtue is the right or giving someone the ability to choose to love God Versus not, because that was the first thing, that was the priority of God in the garden. He wants us to be able to have that free will. The highest virtue is free will, is what Clavin says. And, and I think that's an interesting argument to be made there. When we take away people's free will, what, what does that say about our theology? It says that our theology is shallow. We have not taken the time to dig into the word at all we we read you know about how it's it's this it's this free gift of god and he's made us free in christ and all these all of these you know liberties that he's given us and and that it's our free choice and we choose him and now we have this wonderful relationship with us and oh we feel so good and now i go home and it's you know sunday's over and and i forget all about it and we we never we never Think about what it really means, and it means exactly it's exactly what you said. It's it's that liberty and free will. It it's the crux of the matter. It's it's it is the thing that makes our relationship with God real. Amen. And when we take that away culturally, what does that do? When we've 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 now come to the point where we said you do not have the right to refuse someone giving you an experimental gene therapy or like AstraZeneca, a more traditional vaccine that causes clotting, you know, microstrokes, all sorts of, all sorts of interesting uh, side effects have been reported. Potentially. Potentially. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, 
don't deplatform us. But that's the great thing about <laughs> podcasting. You, you can't, want. suckers. We're our own RSS feed. Liberty. Okay, sorry. Anyway, um, what does that do culturally to us when we have now said that you do not have the right to to refuse this gene therapy treatment? You start losing your voice. Every, every time you give up some of these rights, you start losing your voice. And isn't it interesting that in Australia, they do not believe in freedom of speech. Yes. That is, they do not have anything in their declarative documents that ensure the right to America the freedom of speech. is the only, the only country place. that you have the, the uh, san- sacrosanctity, if you will. Yep. Of free speech. That's correct. Because here's here's what really happens, and, and I want to dig down to this culturally. We don't does have time it to dehumanize? Does it dehumanize? Does it dehumanize the individual when we take away that God-given right to choose? When we take away their free will, do we dehumanize that person? I, I would say that we do. We, at the very least, that you show less value of them. And you might not necessarily dehumanize them per se. In, in that strong of a term, but at the very least, they lose the value of being the person that they are. I would say you dehumanize them, and here's why. You look at the Trevor Noahs, the 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 talking heads who say, no, burn them all. If they will not take the vaccine, put them down like dogs. Yeah, yeah. Because we've taken away that option of free will off the table. You are human if you fill these boxes. You know, that that's that a is, fair point. That is where we've gone. Yes. That is where we've gone, and that's where we're going. And so just for the sake of time, I'm going to move over to the chair of philosophy. Again, the question always comes down to what are we trying to do here when we're trying to promote safety and prosperity? If we take away people's freedom to make some of these decisions— do we actually get that security and do we actually get that prosperity when we say mandate these vaccines? I'm going to tell you a story about, you know, let's call this gentleman Cameron. So Cameron was at work. And Cameron. So Cameron was at work one day. And while Cameron was at work, day was coming to a close. It's a video from his employer. His employer says, we're not going to call it a vaccine mandate. I don't like to use that terminology, but it's essentially a vaccine mandate. And then Cameron says to the other person next to him, let's call him Sam. He says, hey, did you just watch that video? He was, he's asking us to upload our vaccine cards. Now, mind you, Cameron's vaccinated, so Cameron doesn't really care one way or the other. But Sam might actually care. And so it's, a, it's an interesting situation. But it's because if you're affiliated with the, the government or the federal government in any sort of way, they're going to basically trickle down effect on you to where if this company works with it, then they're going to require that you work with it because they won't work with you. And then it's an economic incentive. And where you've gone and where you've gone is, is you've taken the, the issue of vaccination as opposed to any other number of potential uh, remedies and to the exclusion of anything else. It's just the vaccine. It's just the vaccine. And it's an economic issue, like you said, across the board, because A, these companies have to do this so that they can play ball with the federal government. The federal government is doing it because the lobbyists are paying and the politicians are pushing it because they're being twisted. Their arms are being twisted. 
And what we have is instead of actually trying to protect people, we're trying to push the vaccine. It has nothing to do with the actual protection of people. And we watch that decay when we give away our freedom for security. Yeah, and right now, like you look at New York, the unelected official governor there, there are so many nurses being fired right now because they refuse because they to don't take want the vaccine. Yeah, the vaccine. In the and, middle of a pandemic. Ooh, so scary, ooh, yeah. but let's fire all the nurses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seattle's yeah. doing the same thing. Yeah, and in New York, she is essentially just putting it into, for lack of a better term, martial law because she's taking military and then that military is now the nurses for empty COVID beds. For empty COVID beds. And again, we're foisting a political idea uh, ideology onto people that is born of two things, ideology and money. It's ideology and money. And it is a new religion, the religion of the COVID. Are you maxed? Are you vaccinated? I watched this one, you know, this one lady at a Christian conference, Max, masked and vaccinated. She had it on her mask. And I almost wanted to ask her, which sacrament of your new religion is more important? Because some people, some people, it, and that would have been cruel, but some people it's become a religion let's let's look at let's look at philosophically the whole question and, and to prove it's a religion when someone comes up and says ivermectin or for goodness sakes if anyone says hydroxychloroquine oh my gosh koi pine cleaner uh <laughs> because it has quinine in it uh but but don't believe that whole story i can't get into it when someone says that there's a potential besides the vaccine just just say that's someone who, who who's pro pro vax and get the get the ping off them if they say well maybe yeah it's not a religion if they say no there's no way ask them if it's a religious belief that they're holding and bringing it back to the chair of economics just as we wrap up here today it's an economic issue in some respects but it's a matter of the economics of power we're watching our country fall to the surveillance state that is in turn creating a police state that's the main crux of the issue all because we gave away our freedoms for security and we've achieved neither uh, unfortunately we are at the end of our time today i just want to kind of wrap it up and just say that original point freedom you have perfect security when you have freedom among those who are conformed to the image of Christ. You will never truly get that in this world. The best thing that we can do is punish wickedness, offer freedom, and stay consistent. With that said, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your listenership. Uh, like, comment, share, subscribe if you liked it. And again, put uh, your best argument down there in the comment section that we missed. Tell us from which chair you're arguing. If you didn't like it, tell us from which chair you're arguing or which chair you hated the most and uh, smash that dislike button twice. We love you all so much. You have a wonderful week. Bye-bye.